There's almost nothing worse than feeling like you're totally alone, especially when you're in extreme need. The sense of isolation only compounds the pain you're already feeling and threatens to drown you in despair. Hey, I'm Nate Dancer, and you're listening to Purity for Life. Here at Pure Life Ministries, we have many people reaching out to us for help, and often they claim that they have no one to help them. But how often is that actually true? And how often is that just a feeling? And what do you do if you really don't have anyone who is willing to help you? If you're feeling like you have no support in your current situation, this episode is for you. Thanks for joining us again on Purity for Life. Here we go. Here at Pure Life Ministries, people are constantly reaching out to us for help. And at some level, every situation is unique, but usually the basic circumstances are the same. Men are enslaved to sexual sin and they feel powerless to get free. Wives have been deeply hurt, sometimes utterly destroyed by their husband's sin. And so they come to us because they need answers and they want help. And sometimes when we ask them why they're coming to us, they say, because I don't have any support. So from their perspective, they're in this very vulnerable condition, a very needy place, and they're all alone in that need. And if you've ever felt that way, then today's show is for you. In preparation for this show, I spent some time thinking about what kinds of situations people would be in that would leave them feeling as if they have no support. And it occurred to me that there are probably at least three groups of people. Obviously, the first group are those who they have no support. (laughs) They've opened up to pastors or elders, and either they've just been ignored or not followed up with or maybe even hushed up. They've opened up to family members and friends that they thought they could trust, and these needy people are getting the feeling from their family and friends that, I just don't know what to do with you, or I'm not going to touch that situation with a 10-foot pole. In other words, they've made real efforts to find someone who can help them, and everything's fallen through. Then there's a second group. This group would be people who do have support, but it doesn't feel like support because the person is telling them biblical truth that hurts. And then there's a third group. This would be those who are being supported and helped, but the counsel they're getting is not touching the root issues of their problem, and so they just keep going around and around the same mountain, and they never change. And that ends up feeling like, who can help me? So in this episode, we're going to speak to each of these groups, and we're going to talk about some of the challenges that they face. We're going to offer some things that we think they need to hear, and we're hoping that this will help someone out there who feels all alone. So to do this, I sat down with Steve and Kathy Gallagher, and then later with Jeff and Rose Cologne. Pastor Steve and Kathy Gallagher founded Pure Life Ministries back in 1986, so they've been doing this for quite a while. 
and Jeff and Rose Cologne served at Pure Life for over 20 years as biblical counselors, and then they went on to found a church and a biblical counseling center. So I think that what you're going to hear from both of these couples is a combination of personal experience and a deep knowledge of the Word of God, and that is what gives them a solid foundation from which to speak about these issues, which, believe it or not, are very common to man. Now, again, if you're feeling all alone, like you have no support, then this episode is for you. But I do want to say this right up front. In matters like this, where every situation is unique and nuanced and where things are so sensitive, unfortunately, there is just no one-size-fits-all answer. So as you listen to this, maybe some of what we say really hits home, maybe some of it won't. Ask the Spirit to help you apply this wisdom in a way that's pertinent to you, and ask Him to illuminate things for your situation, and ask Him to specifically lead you. And one last note, I captured the audio for these interviews on a mobile recorder, so sometimes the audio is a little raw and less than perfect, so please bear with us on that. All right, let's go. To start off, I guess I just wanted to ask both the Gallaghers and the Colognes, from their experience, how often do people genuinely have no support at all? Yeah, um, mostly they haven't, or I should say a lot of times they haven't gone to the leadership in their church. They haven't gone to an elder in the church. Um, Interestingly, what we see a lot as well is they don't want the church to know what's going on okay. or they haven't even asked if that kind of help was available at the church and then there have been a few very few instances where they have gone to leadership and told them what was going on but the leadership never followed through with them okay so most of the time when someone says, I don't have any support, it's not really based in a lot of fact or truth. You kind yeah, of I would say it. most of the time, yeah, you have to probe it. And typically what we have seen when you start asking questions, did you do this? Did you do that? Well, no, right. not yet. Yeah. But like she said, there are those instances where they have and they, there is no help for them. So, yeah, when someone's saying I have no support, you have to ask questions to kind of foster that kind of conversation to find out, okay, is it really true they don't have support or are they just stuck in this victim mentality? Are they bitter? Do they need to make things right with the pastor that maybe did confront them in love? I mean, because we've seen that where someone will start coming for counseling and they realize they have a root of bitterness against the past leadership they were at, but God starts working in their lives and they go back to them and they're restored back into that fellowship after they had left because they were hurt. So it's a whole cycle of things that occur that we have to learn how to ask really good questions to be able to get all that information from them to see, okay, where are they really at? Is it a legitimate? I don't have support, or is it just they have support, but they just went off 
doing their own thing, mm-hmm. you know, because they didn't like the counsel or the support they did have. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, the decision to open up about something as sensitive as sexual sin to a leader or a pastor is really daunting. Right. And they're not telling anybody because, for one thing, the humiliation factor is off the chart because it's speaking to, at least this is the way it feels, there's something wrong with me, that he has to go out and do what he's doing. So there's the humiliation. um, There's a lot of shame. Even though it's not her sin, it's still her shame. But there have been, I have had a lot of women, this has been their, their thing. They don't talk to other people because they don't want to be judged, number one. That's kind of tied to the shame. But a lot of women have talked to people and it blew up in their face. And people have turned on them and rejected them because for the person that is listening to the story, it's too dirty. It's too, I can't get my hands dirty. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know how to help that. Or told them, we can't help you. You should probably go see a professional. And for us, being a counseling center here in town, um, there's been a lot of churches that know we're here and have suggested, well, you should probably go to them. They're specialists. So from what I've gathered so far, when someone says, I don't have any support, that's tricky. It could be true, but there are definitely a variety of reasons why a person might feel that they have no support, but that's not actually a real representation of their situation. And sometimes it's just blatantly untrue. Now, I'll hasten to add right here that Jeff did specifically mention that he's currently counseling a couple of people where that really is the situation. And I asked him a little bit about how he's counseled them, but I'm going to leave that for the very end of this episode. There's also a group of people, and they are receiving help, but the help they're getting is not effective. And so after a period of time, it creates the illusion that they're really not receiving any help at all. I'd like to say one of the things about, you know, in particular for women, women love to talk and they want to talk about stuff. They want to talk through how they feel and what's been done to them. And that's how women, usually women, that's how they process. They just need to talk, preferably with their husband, but they end up talking to other people. And, but that's, I mean, they do need that. For sure, people need to just be able to air things, but that ultimately doesn't take them anywhere. It's not going to, you know, you can only do that for so long. People need hope, and you don't get hope by talking about things. You need to be, someone needs to be in your life that can lead you and help you instead of just talking, because talking usually turns into other things that are destructive. Well, psychotherapy even in the church, is by and large built on the Rogerian structure, which is to let people talk and to just let them talk and talk and talk. And you never confront, you never challenge them. You just, you're being like this completely supportive earpiece. Mm -hmm. And they just come in for 50 minutes or whatever it is and 
pay 120 bucks or whatever it is, and and you just let them talk. I mean, it'd be an easy way to make a living, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, it's really hard to confront someone in their sin and to to deal with someone in their sin and in a way that really helps them. But anyway, so much of the psychotherapy and the answers that they get and stuff like that just are not leading them anywhere. They're not getting any real help. Or direction. They're not getting the right kind of direction. You know, I keep I'm thinking about women, for example, who, you know, they're the, usually the victims in the whole scenario. They're devastated, brokenhearted and all that. And what they want is to just be able to talk it out. But what they need is direction because the female emotions are, yeah, they're just rabbit trail after rabbit trail and there's no end in sight. And I know how that feels because I never had someone to talk to. I was by myself, but I've been with plenty of women who are in that situation that I'm describing, just talking, 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 but not ever really getting getting to the point, um, getting the questions asked that will help lead them to an outcome. Yes, they're victims, but they also need the Lord. Not just a sympathizer, not just a compassionate ear, but they need help to not go certain directions, to not go down a path that is so destructive, to not go necessarily even against the will of God. Because when you're just listening to human counselors, when you're just using your own voice to get all your emotions out, that takes you in a direction. What people need, whether it's the wife who's been hurt or the man in sin or a woman in sin, whatever. What they need is someone who is uh, immersed in the Word of God, lives in the Word of God, lives, lives it out in his own life, and so just coming out of him constantly isn't the teaching of psychology. What's coming out of him is the word of God. And the word of God has the answers for all of our struggles. Mm-hmm. It, it just does. And so we need someone who's an expert at handling the scriptures to get us on a structured path and walk us down that path. Well, also... I. Yeah, I wouldn't mind throwing something out at that because I, women do typically like to bounce and talk. It's, you know, it's a bottomless pit in a certain way. There should be, I've always counseled women, you need to have one person that you're in communication with that's a godly person that you can look up to, not someone at your level because you need someone that's going to help lift you up out of where you're at right now, not just someone that is going to agree with you, agree with what you're in, because we all need help. When we're hurt and devastated, we need someone to help us see things differently, to come up out of what we're in, to get a better view of what we're dealing with. And in a lot of these cases, the wife is devastated. She's been wronged. It's not just, but what she needs is someone to help her to see things from the Lord's perspective. And not that that means it act like nothing hurts or act like nothing happened. It just means that you've got someone on your side that is going to help you see things differently and hopefully give you more hope for the future for yourself. 
not necessarily for your husband, but for yourself. And that is important for a woman. She needs to know there's hope. One of the things that I pondered while I was preparing for this interview was whether or not the term support actually helps to foster inside of people an expectation of what they are supposed to receive from the counselor or the leader that they're talking to. I mean, think about the term support. Doesn't it carry with it a connotation of someone else holding us up, carrying us, comforting us, validating us, whereas the term discipleship has much more of a connotation of I'm being led, I'm being trained, even challenged, right? Because I'm looking up to a person who is walking in a higher sphere of life, and I need them to teach me how to live that way, which, of course, is going to include correction, rebuke, challenge, etc. So it just made me wonder if this term support is actually creating a mentality in people where being rebuked is seen as an attack. We've seen and that. that's especially that. the mentality now. Mm-hmm. More and more and more. I mean, that. society, it's all about you're, you're going to support me and I'm a victim and, you know, you, I just need help. And obviously people do need help. But what kind of help? And what we've seen is when you give them truth that comes from the word of God, we've had people telling us, you're bullying me with the scriptures. Oh, yeah, I've been told that. And I felt like you bullied we're me. We're like bullying. <laughs> what would you tell Jesus and the prophets that were here before us and the apostles? So that's the new phrase now. Like you say that I just want to be supported. I want to mm. be uplifted, even though I'm on my way to hell and living a sinful lifestyle, not repenting, you're not supporting me. That's the culture we're up against now. And, you know, there is a place to just be a listening ear to someone who's really hurt. You know, you don't want to just go in and start throwing verses at people that are really hurt. But what is really needed in in the long run is time walking someone through what the scriptures are saying, what God is actually saying. Because most of the people that I have dealt with through the years know the scriptures very superficially. That's why I think a lot of people don't like the approach of discipleship because their own experience and their own investment hasn't been much. It's been slight. So they've received not much from it. That's why we make a big deal about counseling people from the Word of God, and we have people doing that who are in it themselves. They are going deeper and stronger and longer with the Lord and His Word. So it's not, we're not just throwing Bible verses out at people. We're not just being trite. You know, I hear all the time people using a verse, and there's a place for that, but there's so much more in the Word of God to be found and to be had and that is like the cry of my heart is to get people hungry for his word because that is ultimately where the help is going to come from. People are a blessing. People walking with God are a blessing. People that know the word are a blessing. But we also have the word of God for ourselves if we will just get hungry for it and go after it. One of the things that I picked up from what Kathy just shared is that 
if we're being counseled or discipled by someone and we're not putting our hearts into responding to that counsel and doing it, then it's not going to benefit us much. And so then we will start to believe that something is wrong with the counsel or the counselor. But it's not the counsel that's the problem and it's not the other person. It's that we're not doing what we've been told to do. That's actually the reason that Stephen Cathy started the Overcomers at Home program. Once we became known, this is what happened. The main reason we started it was because people were calling me and I mean, it was one call after another, after another, after another, that kind of thing in the early days. And I started realizing they're not doing what I'm saying Mm -hmm. because there was no structure to it, you know. So they were just kind of like, give me some advice. And then I'd hear from them a week or two later, give me some advice. And I started realizing they're not doing what things I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So I developed, we developed the Overcomers at Home program to establish a discipleship program where we could give them real support that they need, but also hold them accountable to do the things we're saying to do. It's not enough to just hear some things. You need to actually implement them into your life. Yeah, and it was a way for us. Yeah, we were just, that's where the whole concept of discipleship came from was they need to be discipled, but they have to do certain things in order for us to continue with them because it's just a, a revolving door with people, you know. So the Overcomers Home Program costs money, but more than that, it costs them their time and their investment. And are they really willing to do what needs to be done? Yeah, so people who are feeling like they don't have support in their struggle. There are different reasons for that. Some are legitimate, some aren't so legitimate. But that's what I'm saying is why we developed the Overcomers at Home program was to at least here's something you can do that will give you some legitimate support for you during this time of struggle out of the sin. What I always try to tell people is, especially people that are coming in for counseling, is what you do with what I give you is going to determine how much God can help you. I can't do this for you. And I think what people want a lot of times is almost they want you to do it for them. Because there have been instances where, you know, they were given the right thing to do and they just not doing it and like i said it's almost like they want someone else to do it for them and you know we don't want to downplay there is a time for support there is a time for encouragement there is a time to give hope but there's also a time when people need truth and love yeah i think about when i first when jeff and i first got married and and the Lord put certain people in our lives to disciple us and help us to grow in our walk with him. And, you know, I my pastors knew what was going on back home with us, and they were really involved. And sometimes they gave us counsel that I was like, oh, I don't know if I like that counsel, what they're telling me. But 
when I searched the scriptures, what they were telling me, I saw they're giving me what the Bible says, how to handle the situation. So the more I would receive counsel from them, it made me get into the scriptures to see, are these guys really telling me what God's word says? I mean, is it God's counsel to me or is this just them giving me their opinion, right? So the more I saw that, that they weren't giving me biblical counsel from God's word, and I knew they were praying for us. I knew they were praying for us. Even though there were times I didn't want to hear what they were telling me, I knew, okay, God, you put these men in my life, and they're giving me what your word says, and I know they're praying and seeking you for our situation. I've got to trust you. I've got to trust that what they're telling me is what you want me to do for this time. And I was new. I mean, that was the first time I was really submitting myself under church leadership. I had never done that before, not to this degree, you know, but it really was all preparing me for coming here, submitting under, you know, what we were under there at Pure Life. But I needed that. We all want to do things our own way, and we think we know but if we humble ourselves and submit ourselves under leadership that they're not perfect, we're not perfect, but you know they have a walk with God. They seek God. They're in the word of God. They want God's best for you. You can trust that. You know what I mean? That that vessel is God's instrument that he wants to use in your life for this time to get you where you need to be in your relationship with him. I mean, that's how the Lord used it all for me. If a person is in this victim mentality, mm-hmm. how often do they act? How often are you seeing people like really repent and change that? Or do most people who are in that, they just find a, someone else to go to? Yeah, sad, sadly so. If they if they want to be a victim, they yeah, they don't last. They won't. They'll they go somewhere back. else. They'll go somewhere where they're going to get what they want Mm -hmm. rather than what they need. And we've seen that a lot. Have you seen people change? Oh, absolutely. We've seen people take responsibility and, yeah. The key, yeah. It's the most loving thing that we've ever done. I mean, we've seen that. We've, we've, well, I've had one instance where I church disciplined someone and they got upset and felt like it, you know, it was unmerciful and um, continued to live on in their sin. And another person we church disciplined Mm -hmm. that after a few weeks came back and uh, thanked us and found repentance and realized they were in self-pity and took responsibility and stood before the church and repented Mm -hmm. to the church and said, this was my fault what happened and that person was very bitter and victim so again if the person is sincere even though they might get upset at first and though they're willing to humble themselves god sets them free and those of us that have responded remember that And and that's the beginning of freedom is ownership and taking uh, responsibility 
for our actions. We're not victims. And you realize it's the most loving thing that anyone could have done. Mm -hmm. You know, because you realize I was in trouble, that I was blind. My sin blinded me and I didn't see. Mm -hmm. But I see now how wrong I was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that within this group of people who have received ineffective help are also those who have been hurt in some way when they've tried to get help. Maybe they were hurt by a secular counselor or a church leader or had a bad experience in a support group or something like that. And so because of that bad experience, they're afraid to be open and vulnerable again. Maybe they even have a deep-seated cynicism toward anyone who would want to help them. And so I asked both of these couples, what are some of the things that they would do with a new person to help maybe establish that trust again and so that people are willing to be vulnerable? Oh, yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't say... Well, I don't just, know if it's been saying, but they've they've tried other things and it hasn't worked. Actually, but I've had people, they've come to us because they realize they're not getting the answers. And they say, I believe the Bible has my answers. I have had that. Mm-hmm. And that's and then I, I can, you know, give them hope and show them through scriptures why they have hope mm-hmm. through the scriptures. Well, they're reaching out for help. So they do have some hope when they come to us that we are going to help them. They wouldn't pay money. They wouldn't go through the trouble and all of that to come into the overcomers at home or residential, whatever. They wouldn't go through all that if there wasn't some degree of hope. So they're not totally cynical. Um, and typically, I mean, for myself, I can't speak for all our counselors, but for myself, my feeling is that as they are around me, get to know me, you know, we talk and stuff, they will soon realize, hey, you know what, these people really are genuine. These people really do care. These people really do have answers that work. They really do have a track record of um, (laughs) thousands, probably, I guess, of people whose lives have been turned around. So that, that will come, and as they start feeling that, that will overcome that suspicion and lack of trust share testimony because we've all been hurt so we always start with our own testimony and you know people say wrong things especially christians or leaders or whatever we're all dealing with that at some level and that's where you know you could just talk about jesus and how he handled Mm -hmm. all of that um, and that when we respond like Jesus and we simply do the mercy he's done and bear the way he's bore with us, and that's where our healing comes from. It's when we hold on. It's when we refuse to forgive. We're putting ourselves in our own prison. And I could take them through Matthew 18 as a good scripture where, you know, we've lost sight of our own mercy and we grab the servant that we feel owes us and that's typically what we feel when we feel wrong or they owe me and i'm gonna put them in prison until they pay me back and but we don't realize we're putting ourselves in prison and so we're commanded to forgive but you know sharing your own testimony we've like i said we've all been hurt by somebody helps their walls come down it helps them say okay 
they've been through what I've been through and they're free. And you can share with them like what a blessing it was to let it go or to forgive or to reconcile, which we're commanded to do in scripture. So again, it's if you do this, won't your countenance be lifted? If you don't, then sin's going to have you. It's your choice. Hey, this is what happened to me. And I did what God said, and this is what happened. He brought healing. But when I wasn't, I was in bondage. Sin had me. I was bitter, I, whatever, you know. Um, so definitely share testimony. Yeah, testimony. And two, what's also good is to go through scriptures on everything Jesus faced when he was here doing his ministry, not just on the cross, but go through all the gospels. I had to do this. Go through all the gospels and write down every single thing he faced from believers, from the religious well, leaders. The religious yeah. And when you make that list out and look at it and pray over it, you realize, Lord, why am I expecting any more from people when the only perfect one was Jesus? And look what he went through. And yet on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The key's there to unlock the door in our heart of the bitterness, the anger, resentment, whatever the hurt, the offense was. But they have to be willing to do that. Realizing man is flawed. We're all flawed. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit in us. But we're all in the process of sanctification. We're not going to be perfect till we see him. So, you know, sometimes what we see in people get their eyes on people. And they don't expect you to fail them ever. But we're going to fail. We're going to fail. We're going to start wrapping up here. And as I mentioned earlier, there are cases where someone legitimately has no support. And maybe they feel like, I'm never going to make it unless I have a person here with me helping me. And so I asked Jeff, how do you counsel someone who's feeling that way? I'll use an example. I'm counseling a guy in prison through video. And... He doesn't have anybody. And so my counsel to him is you need to get into the word of God. God will speak to you, but you got to make time for him. Okay, so same thing with the guy up in North Dakota. Couldn't find anywhere. I says, well, God's there. And so it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Um, most people don't have a relationship. Most people don't read their Bibles. Most people don't know how to go to the Lord, so they are depending on someone else to do it for them. So, you know, what do Christians do in third world countries that don't have anybody? They go to God. They memorize scripture. So I try to encourage them, like, God is there with you, and he will speak to you through his word. So get in the word. Make time for him. He will tell you what to do. He will give you life he will give you the grace but you got to spend time with him because again you they need people they need the support but they need to know how to find god for themselves and sometimes when they don't have that support we do want to encourage them like god's there for you and this guy you know he does read he is and and it's god's coming to him. god's talking to him he, and he's seeing God is real, and I can turn. He can't just call me from prison. 
There's no one in his cell that's going to help him. He has to go to God. Well, it's no different for someone at home. If anything, they got more freedom to, to, you know, go to the Lord. Don't get on the Internet. Go to the Bible. Yeah, the Internet's dangerous. With yeah, don't. Social. And that's another problem. The is they go on, on online. They're listening to talks and from who knows who. And so they're getting a lot of false teaching or just inaccurate teaching. Um, so I never tell people like, oh, yeah, go online. And, you know, unless I know something specific, I can tell them that, that I know is solid. But I think that's what has messed up a lot of people because there's so many false teachers online and this and that. And um, So my thing is like, get in your Bible. Get in the word of God. Get quiet somewhere with the Lord. He will speak to you. He will meet you if you do that. And, and just to go back what I was sharing earlier, I mean, about the early days with the leadership, my leadership at home, my pastor would always tell me, Rose, you need to get in the word for yourself and seek the Lord. And then when I would do that, when I would see him, he would say, what is the Lord speaking to you? Yeah. And whatever I would share with him, it would be confirmed from the leadership. So then I knew we're all on the same page. So obviously the Lord is leading in this way. Because with what Jeff shared, that's true and it's good, but it can be dangerous too. If you're just the only one seeking God and, well, God's telling me this. Because I can't tell you how many people we have had that said, God's telling me this, and it goes totally against the word of God. And that's why, again, we do need fellowship. We do need accountability because we can go off. God's telling me this. Well, is it God or is it your emotions, your feelings, what you think, your natural reasoning mind, or does it line up with scripture? Yeah, that's why you, you does it line up with scripture. scripture. You point him to the Bible. And that's I appreciate that about my leadership at home because they always pointed me to God. Even though they were vessels that God used, they always said you need to seek the Lord, get in his word, and let him speak to you. But like I said, he's going to confirm the word with the word through other people. Even if you sit in the service or you turn on the radio, it's just going to be a confirmation of what God's speaking. But it's not going to go against what his word says. And I think we have to say that because of the days we're living in. There's so many false well, teachers and said, false prophets and, and just these little the clips Bible. on social get media that, yeah. So yeah. it seems like when you boil the whole thing down, it's like if a person genuinely wants help, the Lord is going to make it happen. Absolutely. Yes. yes. I look my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's Otherwise, we serve an impotent God mm-hmm. that doesn't see, that doesn't hear, which yeah. we don't. He does see, he hears, and he makes a way where there is no yeah, he way. He does. He does. And I've seen that over and over. And I always tell people if you're sincere, don't worry. God will get you where you need to be, He will not let you down. Because he knows how to draw. He knows how to use circumstances. He knows how to bring people into your life. Yeah, for sure. We've seen that. And so I always encourage people with Mm -hmm. that. 
And again, I could share testimony. Mm-hmm. When I look back now, as messed up as I was and all the weird stuff we got mm-hmm. into, I see God's hand. And I, I know I was as messed up as I was, there was a sincere cry. I just didn't know how to get there. But he made a way. You know, it took some time and all that, but he got us where we're at. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he did it, but he did. And I can see the thread now looking back. Mm-hmm. And so I share that with people. And I always tell them that if you're sincere, don't worry. God's going to do it. I really hope that some of you were encouraged by what you heard in this show. In Psalm 27, King David wrote, Even if my mother and father abandon me, the Lord will care for me. And the Apostle Paul said, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were burdened exceedingly beyond our power, so much that we despaired even of life. Yes, we felt that we had the sentence of death within ourselves, but this was in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Both David and Paul knew something about the character of the Lord, so that even when they felt like they had no one, they knew that the Lord would support them. One of the things that was stressed over and over in this episode was the need for each of us to have a rich relationship with the Lord personally, and even more specifically, to pursue that by having an intimate knowledge of God in His Word. And I would just invite you to take that advice, because countless saints throughout history have found out that in their hour of greatest distress, the Word of God was there to impart hope, faith, and comfort at just the right time. And actually, that's a perfect segue because next week we're going to start a series called A Firm Foundation. And in this series, we're going to look at over a dozen key passages that help us learn how to overcome sexual sin. What we want to do in this series is help you discover that the Word of God is sufficient for everything that you face in life. And even more than that, to experience the power and the wonder of the Word of God. So during this series, you'll hear solid biblical exposition, but we're also going to share some of our own study methods and trusted resources that have helped us. And my prayer is that by the end of this series, you'll have developed for yourself a strong conviction that you cannot live without the Word of God. Next week, Steve Gallagher starts off with a look at Proverbs 7 and 1 Corinthians 10, and I'd invite you to spend some time reading those passages before the next show releases so that you can engage in God's Word along with us. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next week. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.